the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends, and thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, the Advent Christmas season is now crescendoing to that final and long-awaited and anticipated event, isn't it? Some of you may even be listening to this program after the actual day of Christmas. So, friends, have you been able to make it through? Have you been able to come through this Christmas season unscathed? In other words, have you been successful in warding off the commercialized and merchandised version? You know, the fake news version, as I've recently come to call it. And like I said last time, I'm certainly not implying that you shouldn't have purchased any gifts. My only concern is that you've been able to keep from being plagued by and being sucked into the commercial game that's played out every year at this time, kind of like the movie Groundhog Day. Well, friends, I've intentionally saved a keyword and concept for last in this Advent Christmas series. This keyword is the name Jesus, and I've chosen to call today's broadcast Jesus. There's something about that name. And when Christmas Day is finally over, will the Christmas spirit everyone seemingly talks about only during this one season of the year be over too? I sure hope not, because isn't the Christmas spirit, friends, really Jesus? During this Advent Christmas series, I shared that many moons ago, a Christian marketing slogan during Christmas was, Jesus is the reason for the season. Perhaps you remember that. Perhaps you were around when this slogan was initially implemented to promote Christmas. Well, in my opinion, friends, that slogan, although good and even catchy, is still somewhat limiting, isn't it? Friends, Jesus is the reason for living, and it just so happens that we've chosen and we've been permitted to celebrate his coming into the world publicly and freely in America, at least for now anyway, when we even just say this name Jesus, and we don't mean it as a curse, do we even realize what we're saying? 
Our English word, Jesus, has a rich history and a deep meaning because its origin takes us back to the original Bible languages of Hebrew and Aramaic, the original languages of the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. Friends, just to get to the English form of Jesus' name, we have to peel back five layers of language. That's right, five layers from our modern English rendition, Jesus. Let's first go back one layer to 12th century early Middle English, which gives us the form Jesu, spelled J-E-S-U, sometimes said Yesu. Secondly, from the early Middle English, let's go backward another layer to the Latin, where we find the Latin variation Iesus, spelled I-E-S-U-S. Okay, now let's peel back another layer from the Latin, and we'll find ourselves smack in the middle of the first century Greco-Roman Empire, where common Greek was the language of commerce. Perhaps you've heard the term Koine Greek, which was the street language of the day, if you will, the common language of trade and business, the common language if you wanted to relate to one another in that first century society and culture. Curiously enough, friends, keep in mind that the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures had by the first century been around for about 200 years. Perhaps you've even heard the word Septuagint, or you've seen the Roman numerals LXX, the numerical equivalent, in books or in articles. The tradition that has been passed down is that 70 or 72 scholars translated the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, into Greek. So the Greek word Septuagint, itself a derivative from the Latin word Septuaginta, turns out to be a reference to the translators themselves, you know, the Septuaginta, which means 70. So now the Greek variation of the Latin word Aesis becomes our third layer, the Greek word Aesos, spelled I-E-S-O-U-S. Keep in mind, friends, that even the Jewish people living in the first century Roman Empire realized the importance of and the necessity of learning Greek. Well, now let's peel back even the layer of Greek and go to our fourth and fifth layers, the Aramaic and Hebrew originals. But let's keep in mind that the Aramaic and Hebrew are both Semitic languages. Aramaic sort of functioned like the local village or clan dialect in the Hebrew community. So Aramaic words and expressions are going to be close to Hebrew. The Aramaic name of Jesus was Yeshua or Yeshua, which is the name for Joshua. Yeshua then becomes the briefer or shortened form for the Hebrew name and word Yahashua, which also means Joshua. When we take a closer look at both the Aramaic and Hebrew names, Yeshua or Yahashua, we discover that this word literally means Yah saves or Yah is salvation. Perhaps the word Yah may ring a bell for you. If so, it's probably because it's part of our word Hallelujah, which in Hebrew is actually two words, Hallelu and Yah, spelled Y-A-H. The Hebrew word Hallelu means bless or praise, and Yah is the shortened or abbreviated poetic form of God's name, Yahweh or Yahweh. 
God's personal and covenant name between him and the Israelites or the Jewish people. So, hallelujah means bless or praise God or the Lord. So the name Yeshua turns out to mean Yah saves or Yah is salvation, as I mentioned. For our benefit, we understand this name to mean the Lord saves or the Lord is salvation, referring, of course, to God himself. Now, friends, before we can even move on from here, we'll need a brief history lesson in Hebrew. You see, we as modern-day westernized Gentile Christians have come to hear or see the word salvation as a spiritual concept. But the word salvation, friends, actually began as a non-spiritual term. This is where our history lesson will help us tremendously. The Hebrew suffix shua in the name Yeshua carries with it some broader meanings like save, rescue, deliver, even liberate. It was originally a military term. So in the Hebrew mind, the original primary idea was that God was Israel's deliverer. Therefore, we as New Testament Christians must put on our Old Testament sandals and think like a Hebrew. Now, for the Israelites, the quintessential experience that forever burned in their minds that their God, Yahweh, was their deliverer, was the Red Sea encounter and crossing. This was the Exodus out of Egypt event recorded in Exodus 14. Exodus 14 is where Pharaoh comes to his senses and remarks, What was I thinking? After he finally let the Israelites go. So he dispatches 600 troops and their best chariots, and he joins them in the pursuit of getting the Israelites back as slaves. Imagine for a moment, friends, what you might feel like, stuck at the edge of the Red Sea and seeing the dust rising behind you, knowing that the Egyptian troops are in hot pursuit to bring you back. And while you're biting your lips or fingernails, or possibly peeing in your pants, you hear Moses being directed by the Lord and hearing, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see Yahweh's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Yahweh will fight for you, and you must be still. Then Yahweh speaks to Moses again. Why are you crying out to me? Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So let's remember, friends, that originally salvation was understood by the Israelites to mean being delivered, rescued, saved from their military enemies, having victory over them. This term and concept was eventually broadened to include deliverance or rescue from natural catastrophes or disasters, emergencies, plagues, famines, and even sicknesses. And as time went on, it acquired the deeper spiritual meaning of being delivered or rescued or liberated from sin, as the idea of deliverance became equated with spiritual salvation. But even in Exodus chapter 15, the chapter that stands out is the song of deliverance sung by Moses and the Israelites after they crossed over the Red Sea, has these great lyrics. Listen to verses 1 through 3. I will sing to the Lord, Yahweh, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord, Yahweh, is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. 
this, or he is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord, Yahweh, is a warrior. The Lord, Yahweh, is his name. So we see here, friends, that salvation language is still couched in the motif of being physically delivered, physically rescued, physically saved. In other words, experiencing victory over physical experiences and challenges. But the beauty of all this, friends, is that by New Testament times, we see some Israelites who are now fully aware that the Israel's deliverance is more importantly spiritual deliverance. Take Simeon, for instance. In the Gospel of Luke, we have Simeon's personal revelation documented. In the midst of Luke 2, 25-32, we find this account. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, I'm going to stop here for just a moment because this is code language, friends. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. This harkens back to the Hebrew prophet Isaiah's words in Isaiah 40, which in the opening verses declare a future promise. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Comfort here in the Hebrew also means to console. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. So Simeon was waiting for the consolation or comfort of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Translation, Simeon would not die before he saw Yahweh's Mashiach. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When Joseph and Mary brought the child Jesus in to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Despot! Whoa! A Greek word that means total master, total lord, one who exercises unrestricted power and absolute domination. The NIV says Sovereign Lord here. So, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant, Simeon, in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Friends, picture this. Simeon is holding his arms in this child Jesus and telling God that he's holding in his arms God's salvation and that Jesus, God's salvation, has been prepared for all the nations to see and that Jesus, God's salvation, is to become a light of revelation to the Gentile world as well as to be the glory of his own people, Israel. Wow! Now, friends, we must realize here that Simeon's declaration comes after the angel's instruction to Joseph when he considered divorcing Mary. And the angel said to Joseph in Matthew 1, 20 and 21, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, or Yeshua, because he, Jesus, 
will save his people from their sins. In other words, Jesus will deliver his people from their sins. Jesus will rescue his people from their sins. Jesus will liberate or give victory to his people from or over their sins. Did you catch that, friends? Jesus is the name given to Joseph and Mary's son because he will save or bring salvation to his people, the Israelites. Well, I hope you find this as interesting as I do, friends, that an angel of the Lord decided the baby's name, and this angel decided on the name Jesus, because the name Jesus, or Yeshua, means the Lord saves. In other words, God saves. (coughs) Pardon. So, here we see that in this name Jesus, or Yeshua, his life mission is defined Jesus' mission will be to save people from their sins. Jesus' mission becomes bringing salvation to not only the Jews, but to Gentiles too. In other words, to everyone, to the whole world. So here we clearly see that for Simeon and for Joseph and Mary, the angel makes it perfectly clear that in Jesus, deliverance for Israel incorporates being delivered or saved from sin, being rescued, being liberated, gaining victory over sin. Okay, but how do the disciples and the apostles of Jesus carry this idea forward in their preaching and teaching ministry? Well, I'm going to pause here for just a moment, friends. If you tuned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I want to take a moment and let you all know how valuable you are as listeners to A Word from the Word. This program is 100% listener-supported. Your financial partnership is essential to helping keep this program on the air, which disciples many Christians without a church home, as well as those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. You can join forces with me and A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. And friends, we'll be repeating this information at the end of today's broadcast. Well, let's continue our thought. So, how did Jesus' disciples and his apostles carry the idea forward in their preaching and teaching ministry that only Jesus saves? So, <clears throat> Let us test the scriptures, by that I mean our New Testament, to see what the New Testament says, what the New Testament declares. Remember now, our premise will be that the revelation of Jesus' arrival on planet Earth would signal that he, and he alone, is the universal Savior of the world. And by examining a cross-section of the New Testament writer's declarations, will we, in fact, discover that Jesus was and is God's salvation? And will we, in fact, learn that in their minds, Yah saves? In Acts 4.12, Peter makes an amazing statement. You recall that it was Peter who, in Acts chapter 2, delivered the first post-resurrection sermon to all the Jews living in and Jews visiting Jerusalem from around the empire for the feast, and declaring that Jesus was the Messiah Savior for the Jews who were awaiting him. In chapter 4, Peter rails on the unbelieving Jewish leaders and says to them, 
Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Did you hear that, friends? Did you notice Peter's use of mankind? There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Peter didn't say there's no other name under heaven given to us Jews by which we must be saved. He said given to mankind. The Greek word used here is anthropos, and it refers to humanity in general, as in mankind or humankind. Growing up, I remember my grandfather saying to my dad the expression megaloanthropos whenever he wanted to let my dad know that a peculiar person through thought that he was important, a big deal. Megaloanthropos meant big man. An older generation designation used to be man, signifying mankind. So Peter here has realized and recognized that Jesus is now the Messiah Savior for all mankind, and that Yah saves everyone. Then in Acts chapter 13, verses 46 through 49, Paul and Barnabas, on one occasion visiting a synagogue in Pisidian Antioch, comprised of both Jews and God-fearing Gentiles, said, We had to speak the word of God to you, Jews, first. Since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. In Titus 2.11 we read, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Same Greek word, anthropos, all mankind. In Revelation 7.9 we read, There before me was a great multitude no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne. So, friends, there's something about that name, Jesus, isn't there? A name chock full of meaning and power. That name, the only name, that brings salvation to the human race. When we bring Jesus to someone, we are bringing them salvation. In other words, deliverance rescue, liberation, and victory over sin. So, we've learned that Jesus' name defines his mission. You know, what's kind of cool, friends? That special name the angel told Joseph to call his son, Jesus, Yeshua, in Matthew chapter 1, is now followed by these words, because he will save his people from their sins. So, Jesus' mission is bringing salvation then Matthew himself adds that Jesus' birth fulfills Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 7.14, that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So we have the name Jesus defining his mission, and now we have the name Emmanuel defining his nature. In other words, Jesus will be God, and God saves. Yah saves. Friends, as Jesus followers, we too must adopt his mission. As 2023 is just around the corner, let's recommit ourselves to this mission of bringing salvation to those around us. Perhaps a fitting prayer for this Christmas 2022 might be, 
Lord, help us to see that this Advent Christmas time is not just a past event to celebrate, but rather represents something new that you are doing on planet Earth, something new that brought us new life. For we who are in Christ, the old has passed away, and we are now a new creation, because the new has come. Salvation has come. Lord, let us share this new life with those around us at Christmas time and those we encounter in this new year ahead. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program, and we'll be closing out with an email where you may write me with your feedback on any of these programs in the Advent Christmas series or any programs that you've listened to. One listener recently wrote in regarding part three in this Advent Christmas series called The Ultimate Star Trek about the wise men's response to seeing the star that guided them to the messianic king that had come into the world with this Again, much food for thought. Let's recapture the joy, the wonder, and the anticipation, and be still long enough from the world's frenzy to know that this story shapes our lives now and into eternity. Well, thank you for your comment and your encouraging words. And as promised, friends, the email you hear at the end is also where you may inquire about how to financially help keep a word from the word on the air. Thanks to those of you who are already supporting this weekly broadcast. I truly appreciate your faithfulness and generosity. And I also love coming alongside those of you who are without a church home or who may have been wounded by the institutional church. All podcasts may be freely accessed at faithtalk1360.com. That's faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts, then scroll to a word from the word. These podcasts may also be accessed on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Friends, 2023 is upon us. I invite you to consider becoming a financial partner and support team member and invest in the ministry of a Word from the Word radio broadcast in this coming year. Listeners like you have helped keep this program on the air. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a Word from the Word. Friends, If you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at awordfromtheword at minister.com. That's awordfromtheword at minister.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.